Hello there, friends, and welcome back to the New Blocks. We've got another Zero X episode today. We took the week off last week. We did a great Twitter space. We took some live questions. Then Kevin was so tired, he didn't have any energy left to do the podcast. So here we are. We're back again. I know. I had to jokingly throw you under the bus because... Throw me under the bus in the first eight seconds. It gives me pleasure to see you squirm, (laughs) my friend. Welcome. It's December twelfth. No, it's December fifteenth, twenty twenty one. As you can see from the yes. beautiful zero X number, it is a date, by the way, for anyone that hasn't figured that out yet. Uh, Kevin, I leave Year for New York tomorrow, day. and then I go to Iceland. I'm gonna go find Santa in the Arctic Circle. I'm gonna go figure out where Santa makes the presents, dude. I'm gonna go find him. I'm gonna report back next time, and then I'm gonna go to France for a week at the tail end. I'm about to leave for like a month, man. I got a whole daisy chain of airports and connections coming up. I'm very much excited about it. I feel like we. I just. I can't pin you down. Yeah. You. You talk about liking. Correct. To see me squirm. I feel like you're always squirming around the U.S. and around the world. Correct. I. Uh, I. I am not going to be attending the one that you had mentioned in New York that you're going to go to tomorrow. Although I was looking at the website, it looks kind of cool. It was like DefiCon. Is that right? Hell yeah, buddy. DefiCon. We're gonna hop aboard DeFi chain. Get on the DeFi train. It don't stop till Brooklyn, baby. That's where we're gonna be staying. Uh, no, it, it should be cool. I, that's cool. You know, I'm not going to lie, man, that the conferences for me kind of blend together a little bit. Uh, we get a lot of offers to speak. A lot of the times I get to speak are when they ask for someone else at the company and they're too busy or can't do it. And it gets passed down the ladder, you know, so it's kind of just like throwing the Frisbee around and, um, sure. you know, it's cool. I enjoyed the opportunities, but the actual cons themselves, I feel like what I talk about is always independent of the con. You know, I'm also speaking yeah. at a chain link thing. I'm not saying anything about oracles. It's just like Chainlink is doing a series of talks. One of the talks is about NFTs. So they're excited to have an NFT guy on with other NFT guys for that specific panel. It's like there's always, yeah. if it's a Solana conference or whatever else, there's always something with GameFi that they're like, oh, well, we want to hear the perspective of somebody that has their own chain, you know, because we don't really fit into any of the molds. We're like conference agnostic. Everybody wants to hear from us. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine I'll be at, uh, not 100% sure, but I might be leaning toward going to ETH Denver coming up in, I believe, February. If I do, I will hit you up. No way, bro. You're going to come hang out? You're going to come hang out with me again? Getting closer to your neck of the woods. Oh, great. Uh, Okay. Yeah, and I imagine there's going to be a lot of those sort of talks. Um, Considering giving a talk myself at that one, I I gave a semi-vague description in the uh, talk request form. I, at the company that I work, build layer two bridging tools. So the talk title I gave was something like bridging the chasm from uh, web two to layer two. And that way I get to kind of decide if it's going to be cool about the stuff that I do at work, or if it's going to be about just bringing people along for this journey, uh, into, into web three and, and into, you know, the, the intricacies of different layers and all of that. So anyway, that should be kind of cool. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds awesome, buddy. Um, you know, so it's been a little while. I, I want to start and talk about a little GameFi to get this this episode rolling. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the Axie side of things, and there's this this weird thing that happens. Like, I, I see product cycles. 
they iterate so much more quickly in the crypto space. So you see these patterns that exist in the real world, just in the hyperbolic time chamber. And you know, we're we're the biggest game, we're the number one game, and we created that spark of uh, proof of concept for play to earn. Now that's really cool, but that means we built this thing a while ago, and it's taken a while to scale it, and it just like jumped really quickly. So obviously the technology moves in the not really linearly, but in these kind of slow. It's it, it's not quite exponential, you know. The the technology comes out in pieces and iterations, right? So yeah. our product offering is a little bit lackluster for the amount of users that we have and for what their expectations are as like the leader of the NFT gaming space and for the, the amount of money that we have backing us. Obviously, we know it takes a while for that cash to like get infused into the company and turn into hirings. But um, anyway, so a bunch of other GameFi games have popped up and some of them are are okay right we've heard about like star atlas and some of these other big sales that have done a lot of volume in terms of sales a lot of that is nft speculation around this kind of bull market um but there's a game that has popped up called peg axie pegixie kind of like pegasus and axie combined in one and these geniuses kevin get this all right they took zed run that popular horse racing game where you breed the horses and then you race them and that's on polygon and they took axie where you got the little blobs and you breed them and you battle them and they combined them into one game they took horses that race each other but axie breeding mechanics and they created this amalgam of something that's like kind of familiar but also kind of different and it has scholarships built into the game buddy scholarships that are just like you just click you buy a horsey you click a button and it's just out there and somebody can rent it and that scholar can rent the horse and then they can race it and then whatever they win racing you split it and it's all automated and really awesome now here's the problem with peg axie bud okay Uh the gameplay is there isn't gameplay now get this coin toss get this the races they're completely random it doesn't matter if you got a really nice horse, you got a shitty horse, or any horse, man. A horse is a horse. Some horses win 50% of races. And the numbers don't add up on that one because I think there's 12 horses in each race. So, dude, it's it's really weird. And it's like this is funny... Is it that, uh, like, are you saying... Because my impression or my understanding of Zed Run was that at least the horses in their genetics played something into that? Are you saying that even that doesn't exist in Pegaxi? Not yet. Apparently it will. So okay. there's all these other layers they want to add where each horse has all these different factors of like elements, like wind and rain and lightning. So, and different tracks have different elemental issues. So different okay. horses are better. Like if it's a windy track, the wind horses are really fast. So it's not just about raw speed. And apparently they're going to add layers of gamification where there's going to be a, a minute before it starts, you get to see the other horses and i guess you could like put a saddle on it or like choose your jockey or you you feed it carrots or blueberries and i don't know different foods give it different each food's a token i'm sure you know um I, i but it's it's like everything else in crypto it's easy to come out with an mvp and be like hey guys we're shooting for the stars uh, mm-hmm. You might make it one day, there, kid. But it's like a total it's, addressable market is anyone that likes. It's horses tough or out there. Video games. Yeah. yeah, and it's like part of the point of breeding is that like you're breeding things that matter. So it's like you have this framework where you got founder horses and legacy horses and legendary horses and like all the way down to your halter horses or whatever they're called. But if if it's meaningless, like the gameplay is 
click a button, sign three transactions, and then print money if you, you place in the top three. And then you do that five more times and you go, hey, look, I made $100. This is cool. That, that should put the alarm bells are going ringy, dingy, dingy in my head, Jan, for another office reference for you there, Kevin. That's a, that's a Michael oh, Scott right there. Um, like that, that just doesn't, that doesn't make sense, right? So like they have a, a token yeah. just like SLP. It's called the Viz token, V-I-S, and that's what you get as a reward. It's the utility token for playing the game. And okay. so, Kevin, as predicted, right, the first two weeks, beautiful everything's amazing right like stuff's booming the growth is going up like this there's not enough peg axes it's like axes where you breed them together and it takes a while and they got to cool down so there's like you know limited growth and oh my god the tokens it's worth more than slp peg axie is the future well guess what it's a two-week cycle to claim your viz tokens and since the explosive growth started that cycle has finally happened and guess what the mint chart Looks freakishly similar to the Axie one. Turns out most people just want to cash out immediately rather than put it back into the yeah. ecosystem. And it's going to be really interesting to see like Peg Axie as it really is like this fast moving use case of, all right, cool, you've got features, but you have no gameplay. Like for everyone that has ever said Axie is like a shitty game or the game isn't fun, like play to earn is just for the earnings. I, I that like this game takes that to a whole nother level. It it isn't even a game. Like at least in Axie, the breeding is a game, right? You don't have to play it all, but you could start breeding, and you're trying to breed combinations that you know people want to buy that are popular in the meta. In the case of the horses, dude, you you anybody can just smash breed on any combination. It's just as good as any other horse, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's I feel all like just there's money printing. It's so ridiculous. There's like a a a bit of a chasm between when a project starts and when it's like really ready to be used. And I think when teams are just flushed with cash, whether it's through venture capital or some like token distribution, um, the, the time that is spent like actually building something neat in during that chasm is getting shorter and shorter and like smaller and smaller, uh, projects or like fractions of projects are being released with the uh you know claim that that more things will be added and and right like this isn't necessarily new to the space like anytime there is a you know a a boom in an industry like there's going to be plenty of people i mean we saw this with icos um and there's going to be plenty of projects that just like don't make it out the door and that mm -hmm. um, just like fail immediately. And, you know, sometimes that's based on like it being an actual uh, like cash grab or other times it's just like, you know, it didn't gain the traction that they, the original developers wanted. Um, it sounded like even within that, there was like some, some clunky UX. We were talking to our one friend about this, about how, Every time you want to do anything in this game, whether you want to like open up the pen to your horses, you got to sign a transaction and then you like take them over here and sign a transaction. So, you know, part of this is just like, you know, getting used to bad user experiences that are happen in the early days of Web3. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, some of these projects I don't anticipate will make it very far past the like, putting lipstick on a slot machine <laughs> um, yeah. 
this this very well could be one of them. I don't really know. Enough I mean, about we'll see. And what's theme. cool is that like I, I actually talked to one of the co-founders in a Twitter space, and that's one of the reasons why I love these Twitter spaces because you can sort of randomly connect with people in this live environment you might not connect with otherwise. And I don't know how many co-founders there are, but this guy in particular, he, he has he's an Axie fan. You know, he has scholars and stuff, and there's obvious inspiration there. And, and he was actually like defending SLP to some of the FUD on Twitter. So I, I kind of like the guy, and I, I certainly don't like hate them. I, I feel like this is a project where it's it seems inspired by Axie for sure, but it is clearly different. So it doesn't feel like a ripoff the same way some of these other games were just like a copy paste with really stupid shit. Yeah, you know, like the Board Axie Yacht Club, like that one is ju- that's just a, a thumbs down cash grab. You know, that's not a genuine mm-hmm. effort to make a game. So. I do think yeah. PegXE has done something interesting. I am really intrigued to see how their economy shakes out, but um, it is just interesting to observe. Like in the short term, people are so quick to flame and just spam. Like, look, Viz is worth twice as much as SLP, and it's just like, yeah, but it's been a token for how long? Uh, a month? Uh, a couple? A couple weeks? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, guys, it's it's harder than it looks, you know, because the more. The more anything becomes worth in crypto, the more there is an incentive to abuse it or look for a hole in the system, break it, and or steal it, right? So like, the more SLP is worth and the more prolific the system is, the more incentive there is for people to write scripts that automate it or, or hack it or you know, look for exploits and all that kind of stuff. And that's one of the main arguments of why Bitcoin and these other networks like Ethereum are so secure because it's one of the biggest bounties. There's like a permanent bounty to hack the network, right? If you could hack Bitcoin and take all the Bitcoins, you'd have an insane amount of money to put in your pocket, right? The, the bounty is always there because the network just has that financial value caked into it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think that makes sense. Like you said, I mean, we're going to have to wait for a lot of this to shake out. I I anticipate that the life or death of a project, uh, of many different projects, I don't know enough about this one, um, that many different projects that are being built at this time may depend on how this bull market plays out. Like in the last couple of weeks, we've been kind of in crab season where the prices have been kind of going up and down and up and down and really just kind of moving off to the side, like not really doing a whole lot of, of one or the other. Um, so I, I anticipate that, you know, a a project like that while it's getting started can survive while the bull market continues. If we do enter a larger bear market, um, I imagine, you know, similar to the ICO phase, uh, we will see a lot of, these projects that just didn't gain traction quick enough and didn't really ado- get adopters and users um, probably won't survive. But uh, it's it's it remains to be seen. You know what what sort of a time frame we're on. I, I'm generally optimistic of crypto in general and, and try not to make predictions about uh, where market cycles will begin or end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you if you just generally work from that mindset, then you can kind of figure out how to how to make it through safely. Um, last time we were talking after our, um, our Twitter space about how I have this way of talking to newcomers where I try to bestow the wisdom that I learned through the pain of 2017, 2018 bear market, where I joined in near the, near the peak 
um, and then got to see all of the money that I put into it kind of just like evaporate. And then, um, you know, luckily I found the space to be very, very interesting and much more important than just the price of the token. Um, but I anticipate that a lot of people getting into crypto now will have to learn that the hard way. Um, and, you know, I, last week we were talking about this, you, you sounded like you were agreeing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can explain it to anyone. And I, it's funny, gosh, man, those old platitudes, so many of them are true. You know, like, I remember my dad telling me, so like, most of life is what you make of it. And like, n almost nothing is objectively good or bad. It's all, it's all perspective for the most part. Some things, maybe like the extremes, there's outliers and stuff. But, you know, my sure. first investment is a great example where I spent 2,500 bucks on a MakerBot 3D printer. And uh, it was to invest in like some tabletop game. And it, of course, it failed its Kickstarter. The thing never worked. And then the MakerBot ended up breaking. So it was really like the double down gotcha. Where oh. It wasn't even like I could use the bot for something else. That company went out of business. And it was a whole oh, thing. God. So like that 2500 bucks actually just evaporated. My first investment went from 100 to zero and never showed a single return. So not great. And then I got into the stock market, right? The very first stock I bought was Zynga. At the time, very promising, mobile gaming, Facebook, Farmville, if you remember those times. Dude, yep. amazing stock. Uh, two days after I bought it, there was this huge exodus where like, I think the CFO quit a bunch of other people, and then they fired some other key employees and all this turmoil. And yeah, stock price got slashed in. I don't know if it was in half. I think it went down like 60% or 40%, one of those. I forget which one, two days after I bought it. Very atypical for a stock, right? Like even for a, like yeah. a tech stock, you still like you don't expect that's a crypto, but not a forty percent really. swing in one day. So I'm just sitting there, like you know, I'm like a junior in college, like all right, I got three hundred dollars in Zynga, woo! And then the next day, I'm like, hey mom, I got one hundred and fifty dollars in Zynga. I remember <laughs> my mom being like, hold until you can't hold any longer, and. I did, and I eventually sold it for like a break even like six years later or something. And of course, at that point, it was like, oh, wow, look, $300. That's cute. I got 30 grand in my portfolio now or you know, something like that. It's like you know, five years removed from being a college student. Things are <laughs> much different, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, like, those experiences, like, I feel like I just dove in the deep end. Like, I had no guidance except like, you know, our friend uh, Hyper or Josh, he actually helped me a bit in college, but it was very kind of DIY and his, a lot of his help was like, you got to figure out what your strategy is. You got to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are. Like, oh, okay, boss. And one of the things that I did early on was the simulation where you start with $10,000 in a spreadsheet and you buy mm. stocks and you put them into a portfolio and you like trade however you want and do your thing. Uh, for like a couple of months and then you see if you can beat the market if you're ahead or behind and if you do that like twice and both those times both of them you're like oh my god I could have made a lot of money you immediately have that FOMO of like okay I think I understand how this works at least a little bit now I'm comfortable now I'm going to start buying stocks that actually make sense and that's when I started actually making money investing buying like you know AMD and Tesla and Amazon and you know Disney and stocks that were poised to to grow and, and that kind of stuff so there is like a real strategy to it uh but when you're really new man i don't know is is there some way to explain that feeling of a bear market to somebody in a way that really resonates like i feel like it's like doing mushrooms or lsd or something where it it's it's so different from 
the normal words we use to express human experiences, it's hard to translate it into words. It's definitely an experience that has a unique feeling, but how do we how do we put it in a package? Like there's no word that I can say that will make you understand what it's like to be on LSD. You know? Right. Kind of the same yeah. way. Like I don't think there's any word I can say that like will teach you what it's like to hold through an 80% loss that turns into an 80% gain over the course of two years or something. I mean, that's just like, that's insanity. That's not a normal thing. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that you don't anticipate in the process is, you know, when you're thinking about it in advance and you're sort of like anticipating that the the price could go down, you know, 50% tomorrow and like, that's fine. Like, I don't care. But then when the, price goes down 50% tomorrow, your psychology changes, you, it becomes suddenly more real. And you remember that all of this is real money. And uh, if you have had been investing in it, and you know, especially if this is your first time investing in it, uh, your emotions take over more than you would anticipate that they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, I think it's important to uh, in one side, uh, pay attention to those emotions and, and use those to help guide your decisions. I think if you are just getting into this and, you know, these random bumps that have been happening these last few weeks, if they are enough to start to scare you, you might be overexposed in whatever it is that you're doing because some of these bumps or eventually one of these bumps is going to last longer than you are comfortable with. And if that scares you so much that you'll end up selling it past the, the point where you'd be losing money, um, maybe it makes more sense to, you know, adjust your portfolio in a way that um, you're more comfortable with. But again, I, I mean, this is still me kind of trying to grasp at straws and, and try to help you, help listeners anticipate what it's going to feel like when when there's fud that yeah. turns into reality and i think like I, one thing i always go back to is you have to rem- remind yourself that the loss isn't real until you take it just like the gain isn't real until you take it and you've brought this point up before like with the shib coin like okay so now you've got a billion dollars of shiba inu coin it's not real unless you sell it or you can do anything with it and it you don't there's not like liquidity to dump a billion dollars worth of shiba inu coins uh, except for maybe some of those key bull moments so like it that psychology swings both ways and that's part of the like hodl forever like the hardest part is knowing, hey, when do I cut my losses and when do I hold on for the long term? And that's where it really depends on what you're investing in. Is this some kind of like degen, you know, copycat? You know, are you on polycat, you know, farming these stupid tokens that are designed to pump and dump? Then, yeah, you need to be prepared to jump ship as soon as you see that death spiral start. But that's a super specific, aggressive, almost like day trader kind of energy like sort of investing if you're buying stuff you actually believe in like let's say ethereum right at the highest level that's one of the safest things i can not financially recommend wink wink almost recommend right like ethereum is it's a big one right as number two it's got a lot going on um it's it's like if there's a you buy ethereum now and it goes down 50 percent, i feel confident saying just fucking hold on man if you just hold on like give it give it six months give it a year. I don't know what the timeline is, but like 
things are happening, right? And it's not to say Ethereum could never crumble and never death spiral and that the foundation could never kick itself in the nuts hard enough that things start falling apart. That could totally happen. But in general, if you believe in it, I think that tends to be a good sign to actually hold on. Like, it's a simple equation. Do you believe in the prospect long term? If yes, hold on. If no, then look for your time to exit. You know, watch the markets, wait for a spike, and take the exit. Sometimes taking that 20% loss is way better than the alternative of taking an 80% loss if you think it's going to go down way more. But be careful yeah. with that, right? That's, that's the theory. That's the psychology you're fighting against. You're always asking yourself, is it going to go down more? What do I do? And that's yeah, uh, I think part of the fun. The, the other thing that first-time uh, investors often forget is that there is a large spectrum between 0% and 100%. If you are going to make a move, it doesn't have to be to hold 100% of it forever or sell 100% of it. Like mm -hmm. You can make moves very incrementally based on what's happening um, and how you're feeling about the investment about how you're feeling about um, your portfolio. Uh, I, I think for me, uh, Bitcoin is one where I, when I had initially bought in, you know, I, I'm a generally a dollar cost averager. So I just kind of slowly scooped up some Bitcoin over time. Um, I, as I, the longer that I stayed in the space, realized that I'm not really gaining much utility from this. Things don't seem to be going this direction um, and have, more so like I, I made a pivot toward focusing more of my time and resources into Ethereum. Um, and as that has played out in DeFi, in NFTs, in you know, Web3, the metaverse, all of these things that we're seeing now more and more, um, I keep on remembering that Bitcoin's not really involved in any of this. And so I've been kind of slowly doing the opposite, right? Instead of uh, scooping up Bitcoin, I've been slowly selling off my Bitcoin because I, I don't have a use for it, honestly, and um, Dump it. I think, yeah, I, I think you had already you had already come to this conclusion before I did, and and I think you had made your move. Is that right? Yes, I I have like some moments where I look at things and go, man, the best thing I could have done was just buy it and not touch it. And then I have other moments where you look at that daisy chain and go, yeah, that was a flip into a flip into a flip. That was a good call, you know. So it does cut both ways. You and I have almost polar opposite sort of investment strategies you're you're very like low risk like you said you like to cost average in and out and i'm the kind of guy that if i cost average out let's say even like 10 or 15 percent and there's a big move i go oh my god i just lost so much money if i had just moved all that like i to me the fomo of seeing a move and then not doing what i feel comfortable doing with because of some logic of like yeah but i should play it safe oh my gosh that drives me crazy and that bothers me more than like the losses that upsets me less than those moments compared to when I missed it. So I just accept that, you know, I think my expected value on my strategy is positive, but um, I'm definitely a little more aggressive and, you know, eager to take on risk. I, I've the, the hyper strategy, you know, the shotgun approach, you pepper it out, you buy a little bit of everything and, you know, double down on stuff that seems to be going really crazy. I, I, I think I, I appreciate your perspective, but that ain't me, babe. I, uh... Yeah, I mean, I think both of our perspectives balance each other out well. I think yeah. there are definitely times where I do what you're describing, where I kind of just, you know, this seems like a good idea. I'm going to do more than I would normally do in this particular thing. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I think the cool part about this space is that there's just so much going on. You know, if you miss something, the next thing's probably just a couple days around the corner. 
yeah. you don't really have to wait that long. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it is interesting, though. I mean, I'm still like kind of poking around for NFTs, and I think everyone is eager to see the the game side and the utility of NFTs continue to explode. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit sad that I don't have a board ape. I, again, it's like not one that I ever could have really picked up, but um, I'm I'm intrigued by that whole audience and like Nike just made a big play where they picked up uh, what is it R R T R T F K. Did I miss I a letter? That sounds right. I I'm, forget. I might have missed a letter, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Like they did the second Medici. Uh, that's where at least I, I had heard of heard of that group. Um, like you know, Adidas bought an ape. There, there's a lot of a lot of movement even in these kind of bearish times of these outside brands coming into the crypto and NFT side of stuff. And of course, the right click savers and the haters are uh, in full force. But uh, hey, that's okay, man. I think we're at this point. We know what we're doing. We're just going to keep on keeping on and yeah continue building away you know i genuinely do wonder how long that meme is gonna continue like it (laughs) i had an ex-coworker that uh recently was like if i um if nfts end up winning then i choose the side of piracy and like what does piracy actually mean when it comes to nfts does that mean you're gonna like come to people's houses and like take their hardware wallets or do you mean actually are you still talking about right click saving because like i thought i thought maybe we got past this but i don't know that everyone did that's actually um, interesting like i understand the anger of what they're trying to communicate but like yeah the nature of the technology that statement seriously just like does not compute like you can't like there is like well i think those people think that they to them, piracy is I'm going to take the Bored Apes collection and then download it and then mint it on another blockchain. And then I'm going to have my own Bored Apes. And like, because those yeah. people have it in their head that one of the worst things about blockchain is that if I'm just a lonely artist that doesn't know anything, somebody can find my art, steal it, and then mint it on the blockchain without my knowledge and then once and sell it. And then once that transaction is done, like, the artist is left out of the equation completely. And that that is like a thing, right? Like that has happened. But it it but definitely has. That's in just reality, straight thievery though, though. You know, that's... Yeah, exactly. In reality, what happens is what I uh, experienced just recently uh, online. There was this guy who has this Twitter bot where you can send it uh, some text. It will reply back with this um, auto-generated... Um, like AI driven art piece where it'll take your prompt and just try to come up with something. And it like, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool looking. I, I I saw one that was like, um, the, it was, the prompt was something like the ex- expansive emptiness of New York. And it was like, it looked like an empty room, but there was like the silhouette of New York skyline in the background and like an empty park bench, very cool art. Um, and he sold only the physical prints of this. And so I was like, hey, do you sell NFT? Like, do you mint these as NFTs? I'd love to buy one. And he was like, I'm genuinely curious. Like, why would you want an NFT instead of a print? And I was like, honestly, like, I don't know if you see my background. Like, I got enough stuff. I don't need any more stuff. Um, I just, I want to support you as an artist. And I kind of want like a momentum or a memento that yeah. I can carry with me to show that like, this is a piece of art that I like. I can connect that to my ENS and like make that part of um, my like Web3 identity in different ways. I could, you know, upload that into a Decentraland plot. Doesn't matter. Of course, there's always like the option that I could just go take this person's artwork and like go mint my own NFT. But like, what is that? What what am I gaining from doing that? Like what I wanted to do was was sort of like give some value yeah. 
to this artist for the work that they've done to create this thing. And that's what and most I, buyers I don't care get about. That. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like so you're yeah. right. That is a muted thing, but I, I guess I, I agree with you obviously. But I think that's where that energy comes from, where they have this really skewed lens of like, well, anything can be stolen and put on the blockchain. So hence the blockchain is just a bunch of stolen stuff. Like that's like the the right. weird non-logical flow that they have in their head, not realizing that like there there is still a little bit of centralization, right? Like the check mark matters. Like it's sort of like having a Gucci bag and a knockoff Gucci bag. Like it might sort of look the same just walking by on the street, but when you actually look at it and like compare them one to one, you can see the fucking difference. You know which one yeah, is the and knockoff. I don't even know if centralization is the right word there. I think it's just like validation or like verification. You just, you know, if you're going to go buy a piece of art, you will, if, if you're just doing it, for like the lols and the memes like great whatever go copy paste go go attach some you know unique identifiers to it and like upload it to a blockchain no one really cares about that but if you are going to go purchase art you will be uh incentivized to validate that this art has been minted by the artist and that's just the same as any other signature right like that's you yeah. know the equivalent of the handbag comparison and with a blockchain you can do this in a way that is 100% verifiable that doesn't really so, exist in the same way. Can we maybe really. throw a wild thesis out there? I'm curious if you agree with this thought. Is every NFT collection that's going to make it, you know, like exist and still have any kind of community years from now, let's say, all of them will revolve around utility, right? And that utility might be utility within the club, right? Like a badge or a status symbol or at, like, it might be kind of internal. It doesn't have to be this big public virtue signal thing. But I think all NFTs, even if they start as art or collectible, the whole thing is moving towards utility or access to the artist, like this sort of fan token type thing. Like that's where a lot of it's moving. Like look at NBA hotshots, right? Now it's becoming like a get, get exclusive access to the players, you know, get to call yeah. them or like come to this interview session or like, I think we're just going to see more and more of that stuff because it's just a better value proposition, right? It's more I, that they I can agree. stack yeah, on I, it. Agreed that we'll definitely see more and more of this. I'm hesitant to say every because like there are definitely artists and people that are like purely into NFTs for the art side. And like, I get it. Like that's, that's cool. Like in the same way that, um, See, but aren't the, those like if you're in it for the art, doesn't that mean you're in it for the artist as well? And if yeah. owning that art piece all of a sudden becomes an access ticket to do anything additional with that artist, like yeah, that, that's, that's, a, than that's still utility that right you know what i mean that's yeah. what i mean like it it can be really simple or it could even just be like hey in the radiohead fan club you get this badge that says hey i'm one of the exclusive nft holders that's still utility that's like social utility right that that has yeah. like almost tangible value to it um, yeah i'm thinking of the like the um you know, Snoop Dogg's super into the more like of the Fidenzas and these artworks that are, you know, ge generative and like the ones that don't, they, they explicitly don't have any other component to it. Like mm -hmm. I, I kind of anticipate that like in the same way that paintings still exist now that there are more interesting forms of art. I think that um, like, you know, plain old vanilla JPEGs are probably still going to stick around with JPEGs. Oh, sorry, with NFTs. But I, I definitely agree that like yeah. where the space is moving and where the majority of the exciting things are happening 
uh, is where okay. you know there's more utility. Classic Kevin. I make a really strong, I, I bold <laughs> statement that is really. Is, I, I do the classic broadcasting thing. I get I get us the zingy headline, and you're like, well, you know, well, the oracles are going to show up, and then chap. everything's going to be really cool, and everyone's going to put on their learning hats. I love it, dude. I I love your vibes. Um, I, th- I think we make a great combo. It is no, it's good. It uh, we we definitely have some like counterbalance type action. Um, I had one closing point and I just completely lost it. Something about NFTs and utility and artists and, oh man, if it was important, uh, I wouldn't have forgotten. Darn it. I hate yeah. when that happens. But um, it is always a it's pleasure to talk to you, buddy. I, uh, I'm, this is probably the, uh, the last stream show episode of anything that I'll have out of Denver this year. So um, that is pretty exciting. And uh, I am really excited for 2022. We'll probably get a New Year's episode in here. Um, I reckon at some point, um, yeah, man, it, it's such a cool, cool journey that we're on. 2021 is a really defining year for me. And now being full-time crypto, it's changed my lens on the world. It's changed my lens on a lot of my relationships and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just wild. Oh, I remember what yeah. I was going to say now. It was about the right click savers. Uh, I was going to say, has this ever existed before? It probably has, but I don't know like a, a, a comparable example or what the word for this kind of a gap is where the, the right-click savers are objectively just like wrong in this scenario, right? They're not wrong in the sense that like they hate NFTs. They're wrong in the sense that that gotcha is not a gotcha. Like nobody that owns an NFT cares about anyone right-click and saving the JPEG, Right. So I like, think, yeah, I'm trying to think of similar corollaries. And I, I well, but imagine. and it's growing too because the the people that own the NFTs, if we say like, yeah, thanks for the free marketing, they think that that's us being cheeky and that like we're just trying to punch back a little bit. But they're like, yeah, look, they they take that as evidence that they're getting to us. And yeah. if we just ignore it, they also take that as validation of like, look, we're wearing them down, kind of a thing, like. It almost feels like this feedback loop where their side gets stronger, where no matter how we react to them, they interpret our reaction as like, we're really fucking them over with this JPEG saving thing. (laughs) I can't believe no one thought to right click save. And it's like, we're just, it's making us laugh harder. And then the harder we laugh, the more they think they're getting under our skin. And it's like, just this (laughs) ridiculous. I I think my response, my response to this previous coworker was like, just, just don't. Just don't right click. Don't screenshot my robot. It'll financially <laughs> devastate me. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, they, I don't know how else to talk. They about can't this tell one. that that's sarcasm. So they'll they go and then they tell their friends like, see, look, no, this guy he owns like an NFT that's worth eight Ethereum, and he told me that if I screenshot it, it's gonna take money away from it. So you guys should go screenshot it right now. Like, there's people literally doing that. Like, we're gonna steal part of this this JPEG soul if we screenshot it enough times. Like. Dude, it's, it's it's challenging, I man. I I don't know how to how to get across to people that have just made up their minds. And I I try, I genuinely try, uh, probably more than I should. I, I tell myself it's because it's sort of practice for me talking to people yes. that do actually care. Like I think I, I think a lot of the conversations that we have are based off of conversations that I've I've you know, thought through or uh, arguments that I've gotten into with people that are really against this stuff. Um, And there is definitely a time where like some people just aren't worth the block space, right? Like they're not worth the time of day. They're not worth 
really like spinning your wheels over. They're not listening. To yeah, it's just it's yeah. you're 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 wasting your time in terms of no information is going in, and that's a key part of communication. Even if you end up saying, "Hey, I still don't agree with you," you can reasonably exchange with some people, and some folks you can't even get to that point because uh, the info just just won't go in. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's particularly funny with stuff like axes because, of course, it's like you know, I I think it makes me laugh hard because I think of that example that uh, you typed to me one time where somebody shows up to like get on the yacht at the board yacht eight club and they show up with their phone and they've got the JPEG and it's like, sir, that's just a picture of a monkey. Like <laughs> I can see that person just like like is that the moment when it finally clicks? Is that like the equivalent yeah. of a flat earther when you shoot them up in the rocket and they see that it's not flat and they're just like, fuck. All right, I guess I was wrong. You know, just like take a screenshot of my Mystic Axie. Let me know when you can use it uh, in land gameplay. But that's cool, man. Yeah. Cool, cool picture. Let me know how much you sell it for. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, uh, <laughs> yo, they always double down on that one with like, well, I don't want to sell it because it's worth so much. Like, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. You got, yeah, you got like me. You're so close to getting it. Uh, you got me. Yeah, you're. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there. Um, all right. Well, I got to get out of here, Kevin. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy everything else. Uh, never financial advice, of course, but we've enjoyed all of you here on the New Blocks. We're doing these Twitter spaces every other Wednesday night, so not super friendly for European time zone, but okay for Asia, okay for North America. Uh, keep an eye out for those on Twitter. Uh, I've been hosting them on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is Iori TV, but uh, look out for Kevin. Look out for JD Hyper because they've been co-hosting it with me. It's been a blast, bud. Here's to an epic 2022 ahead.